Good morning, my name's Alex. Um, there are two Bible readings today, first one from Matthew and the second one from Ezekiel. Uh, so first, Matthew chapter 6, verses um, 5 to 13. Uh, Jesus is speaking. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The second reading is from Ezekiel chapter 28, uh, 11 to 17. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite and emerald, topaz, onyx and jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God, you walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the Mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Good morning, everyone. Nice to be here once more. Uh, and we uh, continue our study of the Lord's Prayer. And this morning, we'll be looking at that uh, part towards the end of the prayer, where it says, deliver us from evil or the evil one. We've read uh, how we should pray. And we've been looking over the last uh, few weeks as to understanding the words and the meanings and how we can train ourselves. And we will continue to do that this morning. So let us pray. Gracious Father, we <clears throat> thank you for our word. We thank you that it speaks to our hearts and our minds and our souls we pray that you will guide us in your truth this morning through your Holy Spirit. Amen. 
<coughs> Some versions of the Bible, depending on which one you grew up on, you would have uh, lead us and um, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. Having a, a, a good study of that, both translations of the word are correct. There's really no great consensus of which one is better. Um, and you can delve into uh, the nominative Greek and all of those types of things and still come out a little bit confused. And there is probably a nuance for both renderings of evil or evil one uh, in the world, in the word. But what it does say and brings to our attention is that we need to be delivered, delivered from Satan. And the word delivered in the Greek is quite easy. It means to be snatched up. It's been dragged out. Not only do we need to be delivered from Satan, but we also need to be delivered from the evil in our own flesh, the evil that is in the world. And we must recognise that God is the only one that can help us. We saw last time, <clears throat> lead us not into temptation, indicated that as children of God, we are conscious of our sins. We are conscious of our past failures and we seek forgiveness. But we also know that there is the possibility that we may fall into future sin or further sin. And so when we use the phrase deliver us from the evil one, we're admitting that there is a struggle in life, that each day has its own dangers and we need God's protection. We need God's protection to cover us for that day. And so when we pray, deliver us from the evil one, we're turning our protection over to God. For we know that there's no part of life that is not touched by evil. That's not to say that everything is evil, but it's been touched by evil. It's ruined our circumstances. It has marred our character. Indeed, it has affected the whole of God's creation. Romans 8 says, For we know that the whole creation groans as with uh, labours of childbirth. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the day of adoption, the redemption of our bodies. I always like to have that realisation that there is the existence of Satan. That's why I usually tend to say evil one. The Lord's Prayer recognises the deadly fact that there is evil in the world. But sometimes we don't stop to think and realise of the spiritual battle that we are in. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. 
part of the problem is that we live in a society that has fictionalised the existence of the evil one. It's just this horrible-looking creature we see now and then in films, isn't it? According to a recent study, uh, most Australians don't believe in Satan. Over 60% of adults, that's 6 out of 10, believe that Satan is not a living being, but just a symbol of evil. Uh, 25% strongly believe, only 25% only strongly believe that Satan is real. And the more staggering one is that up to 45% of Christians deny Satan's existence. And so there is the lie that Satan doesn't exist. That the, the devil is being portrayed in an evil appearance in the movies that we watch. He's always sinister, always easy to spot. Yet the Bible tells us that he can appear as an angel of light. We read of the descriptions that he was a cherub, handsome, beautiful. He was a very powerful, angelic being. He was wise, a beautiful cherub named Lucifer. But we know if we read our Bibles in uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel, as we read out, that because of his pride, there was rebellion. Rebellion described in those passages, he became proud because of his wisdom and his beauty. And he declared in Isaiah 14, I will be like the most high. He sought to make himself equal with God. He aspired to be worshipped and adored. Because of his sinful heart, he was cast from heaven by his creator, cast out from heaven. And he would subsequently be known by the Hebrew name Satan, which means adversary. Or if we go into the Greek, from Diablos, the devil, which means the slanderer or accuser. We read in Revelation that the angels who joined Satan in his rebellion against God, that are commonly called, uh, called evil spirits or demons. And those demons were cast out with Satan, according to Revelation 12.4, and he took one-third of the angelic population with him. I always smile when I read that because I can remember uh, on our long trips in the car and we were listening to a, uh, a sermon from Billy Graham and when it came to that part, Billy Graham said, well, you know what that means, don't you? That means the demons are outnumbered two to one. So we have twice as many on our side as against us. And I always remember that. And so we see that it was Satan's sin that introduced evil into the universe. 
And later, Satan misrepresented God's motives to Adam and Eve. You know, that Adam and Eve were created uh, in the image of God, created sinless, that they were given free will. Now, that's not free will to just do anything they wanted, no. They had a freedom of choice. They had a freedom to believe God and obey him or not. And that's the same choice that we have. We can believe in God and choose to obey him or not. We can believe that Jesus died for our sins and is the way of salvation or not. That is the original sin. But through their sin, sin entered into the human race. And Satan has been an evil force ever since. An evil force in every generation down through the centuries. Now it should be remembered that Satan is a created being and therefore in no way equal to God. And although he is God's chief uh, antagonist, he is not opposite in power to God. He is a created being. He's under God's control. He's subject to the limitations of being a creature. He cannot be everywhere at the same time like God. He's not all powerful like God. He's not all-knowing like God, but still very powerful. And throughout the Bible, we see various descriptions. He is the father of lies, the God of this age, the prince of demons, the prince of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And this gives us some understanding of who he is. And we shouldn't write him off. He is a powerful force. And we must be prepared to take a stand. As I said, we are in a, a spiritual battle. And we need to be prepared to meet the attack of the enemy. Now, there are many factors that contribute to Satan's success uh, in the art of deceit. And though, as I said, he's not equal to God, he is a, of an order of creatures higher than man. He was created an angel, and amongst the angels, he was a cherub. You know, the, the cherubs attended God, did God's bidding, controlled other angels in a variety of ways. Satan is also successful because of his vast experience. He's been around from the beginning. And by his longevity, he has acquired knowledge of great depth and breadth. Satan also has the ability to transform himself in various ways, to make himself attractive to us. He knows the ways of the human race. 
He knows what's attractive to us. He, he knows how he can whisper. He knows our weaknesses and lies to us. Now that may seem a bleak picture, doesn't it? This malevolent evil that is before us. But in studying this, there is four principles that I've kind of gleaned out for making or meeting the attacks of the enemy. The first is respect. Scripture tells us we need not fear Satan. There's that great verse that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world from 1 John. But we need to respect him and know that he is very cunning. Too many Christians rely on fleshly strength to try and deliver themselves from Satan. Our confidence does not live in ourselves or in our abilities to counteract evil. This is why we need God. It is the character and strength of our heavenly Father in heaven who delivers us. We read in Jude 9 that even the great archangel Michael didn't dare take on Satan by himself, but he called on the Lord to rebuke him. So we need to know that we by ourselves don't have the strength. We need God's power. That's why it was part of the daily prayer. Deliver us from this evil one. I rely on your strength. But that doesn't mean we just walk around blithely, just hoping that God will snatch us out of the jaws of evil. So there is the second principle, the principle of removal. Our Heavenly Father endows us with his Holy Spirit. And with that comes a spiritual common sense that he expects us to use in avoiding temptation. 1 Timothy 6 says, But you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. We have common sense to see our past failures and don't fall into them again. We've got to use that common sense. If in situations we know, if we go out with that group of friends where we tempted by all the pleasures of the world, or if we, another group of friends that we meet with for coffee and all we're going to do is sit down and gossip about everyone else, flee from that. Change those friends. If we know we're going to use the internet and we're going to be tempted, the great temptation of pornography, then put things in place that will block those. You can get all sorts of net nannies and all sorts of things, but be disciplined. If you're using the internet, use it, and then close the browser. 
If we know that we are going to walk down a certain street and we're going to be tempted to go to the club and get drunk, then go, don't go down that street. Find a different way home. Flee from these things. And he also says, pursue righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. So we have to train ourselves in those things and exercise those things. One of the fallouts from the pandemic is loneliness. We've been isolated. But don't be isolated. Be in contact with other Christian friends to seek encouragement from them and to encourage them. We are to work out our salvation together. We're there to strengthen each other. The third principle is resistance. James James writes in uh, chapter 4, verse 7, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And here is... The the verb is in the tense of making a decisive stand. The Apostle Peter said that Christians should not give in to Satan, but resist him. Be steadfast, be steadfast in faith. We are to make a stand. How sad it is that we shrink away from being a Christian, especially these days. We just kind of slink away. But no, we are to say, I do believe this is wrong. I'm going to stand up and say, no. I'm a child of God. I won't entertain these thoughts. It's very hard in a world that denies God when we're bombarded by things of just do it. If it feels good, do it. Buy that bigger toy, that better home, that better pool, or whatever it may be. We're sucked into the consumerism of this world. But it's okay to say no. And and fourth principle is the principle of readiness. You see, our best defence against evil and the evil one is a right relationship with God through the application of his word. Scripture warns the believer that we must be prepared. Jesus warned his disciples. He said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Indeed, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We can't do it by ourselves. But we should not be taken by surprise. We know that these attacks will come. We'll be tempted in so many different ways. And I've said before, what is tempting to me is not tempting to you and vice versa. Temptation comes at our weaknesses. 
And therefore, Paul says in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armour of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The believer's armour is given in order that we might stand against our adversary in uh, Ephesians 6, 13. We look last week at the kids' talk, and it's often a nice thing for a kids' talk, isn't it? We can make little paper shapes and put on the helmet and the shoes and the belt and all the rest. And it looks nice and cute, but the reality is that it is true. We must gird ourselves. We must put on the armour of God. We don't wake up with our armour on every morning, but we need to put it on. The belt of truth. The belt of truth held, holds the armour in place. It is the truth that holds all that we believe in place. And since Satan depends on deception to maintain his power, our first line of defence is know the truth. The truth is out there. So much we see in the world, especially in politics, of lies and fake news and fake truth. We're required to know God's truth. And we do that through the reading of his word. We are to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protected the vital organs, the heart and lungs. And it is righteousness that protects us in those vital areas in our life and in our relationship with God. You see, sin in our lives leaves an opening in our armour through which Satan can attack us. So we must be vigilant, live a life of righteousness, strive for a life of righteousness so that protection can be there. There is the shield of faith. We've all seen the pictures of Roman soldiers and their shields and they'd be able to huddle together, shields in front and the sides and on the top so that they could protect each other as a group in order to quench any fiery arrows. And so it is. We need this shield of faith. We need to join together, not only to protect ourselves, but to protect our brothers and sisters. Satan temptations come. We need to know and apply God's truth in every area of our life. Not just those important bits that people see, but when we're at home, when we're alone, we need that salvation. We have the helmet of salvation, and it is the knowledge that we are saved that pro provides protection. If you've ever ridden a bike, first thing you do is you pop on a helmet because it gives you confidence that no matter what happens, your head will be protected. And so it was. The helmet of salvation, knowing that we are saved, 
gives us confidence, confidence to enter into the fight, knowing that the fight has already been won, that the victory has already been won. Then there is the sword of the spirit. God's word is our only offensive weapon and it can be used, that can be used effectively when we know it, when we know its truth, when we know its promises. So we need to read God's word. And I did a quick calculation. There are 90 days until the new year. There are 89 chapters in the four gospels. So here's a challenge. One chapter a day for the rest of the year. And you'll get through the four Gospels. You will see his message. You'll hear, you'll see, you'll read the stories of God, his plan of salvation. So if you start today, by the end of the year, you will have read the four Gospels. And that will nourish our souls. So what do we make of all this? When we come to this prayer that we know so well, we quickly rattle off our tongues. Although Satan may not be as powerful as God, but he is a persistent force, a present force, a force which needs to be resisted. We can't do it in our own power, in our own strength. We need God's help. We need to come to him every day. We readily accept that we need his daily bread. We need his daily forgiveness. But we need his daily protection. And this is the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, times of trial, but deliver us, snatch us away from the evil one, from the sins that are going to be presented before us. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Therefore, we need God's help as his children, crying out in prayer. Heavenly Father, help us. We accept your sovereignty in our life. I place my life in your hands under your protection so that I may live the way you want me to live. He is going to deliver us. He's going to take away that evil if we trust him. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we may suffer may even suffer for a, a lifetime. But in the end, we are more than conquerors. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray and understand your longing for us to exercise our free will and 
trust and obey you. You call us to yourself. You call us each day to rely on your strength, not our own. To rely on your Holy Spirit that lives within us to guide us and to lead us. We pray that we can be honest with you and know those areas of our lives where we fail and where we fall short and seek your power and your light in our life in those ways. Help us not to to be blasé, to just continue living that each day we know that your grace is sufficient that the victory has already been won by Christ upon the cross that we can rejoice each and every morning that you are our great God and that you shall lift us up that you love us and that you will preserve us. Amen.